Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes if you're gonna get offended Please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Toby Tomplay, producer of Real Life Real Crime, the podcast. And I'm coming to you today because after this nasty hurricane delta that just passed through, Woody got trapped in the woods at his hunting camp. Don't worry, he's, he's fine and he's safe. Uh, but some fallen trees have made it where he can't get out of his hunting camp, or at least couldn't until earlier today. So he was planning on recording a new episode for you guys, and since he could not get to the studio or even to his house earlier to record it from there, he decided to share with you guys a former Patreon episode. So hope you enjoy it, and for Patreon members, this one will be replaced later this week by a brand new one for Patreon only, as well as an October Patreon only episode too. Also, prayers going out to everybody who was affected by all these nasty hurricanes that we've had lately. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this patron bonus episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today, I'm going to do an episode called Gal boy, and it's G-A-L, separate word, boy. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get this, patron members. First of all, if you're listening to it, you're a patron member, and I really love and appreciate you, and thank you for your support. It's, it's amazing, and it really helps the show. It really helps us go, right? So without y'all, we absolutely would not have a show, or I wouldn't have a show. So this one is going to be so raw and unedited. It's really going to be unedited because it's not going into the studio to get compressed and all that stuff. So you're going to get me with all the lip smacks and all the the stuff that they take out every week, that Toby takes out every week. And 
it is what it is, but I want you to have the episode. And this is pretty cool. This is a story that I've been thinking about um, since I told y'all or since I did the story. Finally free. I had a lot of correction stuff coming back to me, and this one stuck in my head. Um, so I'm going to get to it, okay? And, and I'm not going to use the name of the victims or suspects on this one because I, honest to God, don't know what happened to this case. But it's a real fucking case, and uh, um, it's yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, but let me tell you, we're, we're talking about corrections again, y'all. The Department of Corrections, and when you, I told you, and finally free, when you go behind those walls, when you step into that prison and that door closes behind you, it is a totally different world. It's a totally different set of rules. Um, Outside rules just don't apply. I mean, I can't explain to you any other way than that. The the way that inmates or convicts uh, look at each other and staff, and they all have their own little rules. But like I told you about, um, most of the inmates or the convicts that have sex with one another don't consider themselves to be gay. And it's just a fact. And like I said, they tell you, yeah, 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 I'm having sex with this dude, but it's only because I'm locked up, right? I got to do what I got to do to take care of myself or get my release, whatever you want to call it. And and, um, while I'm down, but out on the street, I'm married, I got kids and shit like that, right? So they don't consider themselves to be gay. And... But it happens. I mean, everybody on our, got here on this earth is because two people screwed, right? Everybody's got a sex drive, no matter what your sexual orientation is or isn't. But in the prisons, I mean, sex happens. Whether it's, I'm sure, you know, some of it's rape, but a lot of it's consensual sex. And I'll give you a, a couple examples before I get into the story about uh, this case, Galboy. And, like, I'll give you one on, it was a Super Bowl Sunday. I was working, the working cell block, and they had, like, four TVs on the tier mounted to the wall. And, of course, everybody's watching the big game and shit. I wanted to watch it, too. And I think I was showering them up, and I put my chair right beside one of the cells uh, where I could watch the TV. And the halftime came on, and um, it was, I forget what year it was, but Michael Jackson was the performer, right? And so the sales right behind me and, and that they're watching out their their screen on the TV and and it was a a you know, what I call a bull uh, and a gal boy or a sissy. Uh, yeah, that's not a derogatory term. This it's a prison term. When I say that, they call it sales that in the prison. Um, so don't take any offense. I, I mean, I don't care if you're gay or straight or whatever, but I'm just telling you a story. So watching Michael Jackson comes out, I'm sitting in my chair and Michael started doing his thing. Boy, he was singing and dancing and popping and, you know, uh, fucking moonwalking and shit. And, and the, uh, the guy, one of the guys in the cell says, it, he, he was a little feminine. It, he said, Ooh, that Michael, he sure can dance. And then the guy, the bull that was in the cell with him said, yeah, and I sure would like to fuck him. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what? And, and so that's just the way it was, right? The mentality of it. I'll give you another example. Uh, there was a trustee area of the prison where they had the, the ceiling tiles or the kind that push up. Uh, so they could get to like pipes in the roof. You know, I'm talking about the square ones, like maybe you see in, in schools and stuff. They have 
um, metal square frames. I don't know what you call that, but it's a ceiling tile board and you can push it up with, with your hand like the whole square. And, and so there were uh, two trustees who had that area that their responsibility was cleaning or something. I don't know, but the, they were up there. They, what they do is get naked and get, or get and climb up into that area and brace themselves on those little bitty thin strips of metal. And of course it's a small area, but they would get up there and get naked and have sex. Right. And what happened was the, uh, and, okay, let me back it up. Trustees, y'all. Trustees earn their right to get extra privileges and have like the most cush jobs. Like if you had this certain wing of a prison to clean and it was no traffic, and I mean you got extra food and just whatever. You 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 still were supervised by a correctional officer, but the, uh, the trustees gained your, the correctional officer's trust, and therefore, you know they. Pretty much you just left them alone, except for when you had to count them. But these two yahoos, I guess I might have been their uh, permanent rendezvous spot or whatever, but they get up in there and they're having sex and the, and you can't make this up, they, they one had lathered the other one up with baby oil. And when they were doing it, having anal intercourse, the, the one that was on the receiving end, the catcher, slipped and he fell and he fell through and he broke through the roof and both of them fell through and the dude, one dude got hurt bad. Like they had to take him. The reason I know the story is I had to help guide him for the ambulance to come get him. They had to take him to the hospital. Like he broke bones and shit and the other one took him to the hole. But two normal dudes, right? They didn't consider themselves to be gay. These were two straight guys. Two straight guys on the outside anyway. Um, there's just a thousand stories like that. The, the, they just didn't consider it being gay. Now, there is a certain population of the prison that is that are homosexuals, and they don't hide it. And these are what you call gal boys. Now, again, I know we live in a sensitive world today and shit. People think about, I mean, look it up. This I didn't make this term up. It's not a derogatory term. And they call themselves that gal boys. And these are the ones who go in and get, they get, get turned out when they're in there and become full fledged homosexual, uh, or they were, they were gay before they got there. Right. But these gal boys, now there's a lot of homosexuals in prisons that aren't gal boys. And gal boys dress the part. And, and they actually call them her or she's. You know, other inmates were talking about it and say, she, did, she was doing this or she did that. Or a correction officer must say, go get her and tell her to come over here. I need to talk to her. All right. And they're talking about a gal boy. And these, uh, they would dress very effeminate and, you know, try to grow the hair out and wear the little shirts in the summertime, but the little knot tied above the belly button. So when they're walking through, no, they weren't supposed to do that, but it happened. And, you know, you were really going to write them up for, right? Uh, they wear super tight, tight shorts. And uh, uh, if they could get stuff to paint their fingernails and stuff like that. And a lot of times the gal boys would sit together and do each other's hair and shit like that. They fully open homosexual. I mean, not an issue. I mean, that was their choice. That was their lifestyle. And so that's what they call them, gal boys. All right. So I remember, and and I'm not going to use the names, like I said, because I do not know what happened to this case. 
but I know, when I say I don't know what happened to it, I don't know what happened to it as far as it being adjudicated, but I know what happened. Um, But I remember I must have been working overtime or something. I came in because I went to a part of the prison that I never go to. And I I remember I walked into the area. It might have been the bullpen. But I remember walking in, and there was a bunch of inmates walking away from me towards wherever they were going. And this is like a trustee. That was what it was. It was a a trustee section, I think, over at the Mill State Hospital. They were walking away from me, and I saw this just— it didn't click for me at a second, but I saw this one from behind, and it had the longest blonde hair I pretty much I'd ever seen, like down past their, almost to their ass, long, just straight, just beautiful blonde hair, and I'm looking behind them. I mean, I see these little tight shorts and and uh, this this little sachet walk, you know, the walk from my first thought popped in my head is, what the fuck they got a girl in here for, and and. Uh, I mean, it didn't dawn on me. And then when I saw, the, uh, later on, when I saw her, or the it turned out naturally it was a gal boy, right? When I turned around, this was a pretty gal boy. I mean, uh, very effeminate, had features, actually had breasts. Uh, and, and I was like, holy shit, right? And, and But this uh, inmate, it was like that before they got to prison. They didn't come to prison and just get breasts, right? This this person uh, was a full-fledged, uh, what would you call it? I don't know, transvestite or whatever the hell on the outside, but I'll get to that in a few minutes. But I remember seeing them, I thought, they, they kind of, no, it doesn't make me gay. I'm telling you what I saw from behind, the long, flowing, blonde hair and whatever, and then I saw the boobs, and I was like, holy shit. I mean, it tripped me out, but it turned out it's a guy, right? All right, so fast forward, uh, I don't know how many years later it was. I wasn't there for that long, like three years. But I was working the work and sell block in the ad man seg tiers that I told y'all about and finally free. And uh, I was making a round on the ad man seg tiers, um, and I saw that gal boy. In one of the cells, and I talked to him before, you know, over over the course of the years, et cetera. And I was like, "What are you doing?" Because this dude was definitely a convict. He wasn't about to get in trouble for shit, right? And and he had like one of the most cush jobs at the prison, which was he um, maintained the area of one of the vocational schools. Now, this is where inmates that were uh, going to get out, et cetera. They would go to these vocational programs and, and, you know, teach them job skills to get on the outside. And they really had a fucking killer program the uh, DCI did. And they had instructors that would come in and teach them everything from auto mechanics to whatever welding, whatever pipe fitting. I don't know. But this guy had been down for this gal boy had been down for, uh, for a long time and she ran she was the head trustee for the whole vacational school, like the top whatever. And that's what, to get that position, y'all, this is basically, you know, where the inmates are unsupervised and just have full run of everything. And, but this is trustees trustee is what, is what I'm telling you. And, 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 you know, they always had the respect of the correctional officers, et cetera. Well, so I, I see her and I was like, what are you doing? And 
um, she said that that she was on protection. And I said, for what? I mean, you've been there forever and you never had any troubles. Let me back it up. I talked to, I don't remember if I talked to her before then or uh, I think it was before then. She, she or he was from New Orleans. And the reason they were in prison, and I told you in Finally Free that they don't really talk about it that much. This person was in prison. They were from New Orleans and they used to run a bunch of strip clubs and an escort service on down in New Orleans in the French Quarter and the surrounding areas. And, but they also, we're running a large amount of narcotics, all right? And when she or he got busted, the I mean, they hit him pretty hard. And, um, but she was kind of famous. I mean, she, this was, when I say she had the breast, he had whatever. They had the breast, uh, et cetera. This, this is what their lifestyle was. And, and she or he was a, a performer before and then built up the, to run in the clubs and own the clubs and then uh, pushing a lot of narcotics through and ultimately got popped on the, on dope and sex charges that escorting. So this is not an uneducated uh, a person. I mean, they, they spoke very, very uh, eloquently. Um, they were smart. They, I think had gone to Tulane um, and stuff like this. So, and the, it was not, not a dumbass. Is what I'm telling you, not some crackhead or something like this. This is one of the more years, but I always say prisons are full of dumb criminals. It's hard to catch a smart one. This one was, this guy was a smart criminal who just got too big for his britches, I guess you would say, and got popped. Um, so talk to him. And, and he said, I'm going to add, I'm on protection. I said, why are you on protection? You, you've never had any trouble since I've been here, et cetera. And he said, come back later when you get done with your calendar, I'll tell you what happened. And so I did. I went and handled all this stuff, and, and, I, and I came back when I had time. And, and he told me, he said, yes, yeah, Sarge. He said, he said, you know, I got the, I'm the head trustee over at the uh, vocational school. I said, yeah. He said, well, you know that, um, without saying that you know the person that runs such and such section of the school and and i said yeah i've heard the name and he said well the he started coming on to me like six months or, or eight months ago whatever it was and now let me tell you something shall just because you're a, a transvestite or or a gal boy or whatever doesn't mean that you're a whore, right? I mean, and, and this dude wasn't, uh, and had money and came from money, right? Anyway, so he said this person, this supervisor, if you will, who worked only on the days, he wasn't a correctional officer. It was, it was a vocational person that would come in. You would call him a civilian, right? But they were still getting paid by the state to come in and run this part of the vocational center. And he said, I ended up getting transferred or he had me transferred where I was more directly underneath his control. He kept making sexual advances at me and I never did anything to, you know, to bring it on or whatever. And he said the, um, but one day he, whenever classes were over and everybody's going back, he, he, he called in and he said, I, I need the, this trustee to stay back with me. And I thought, you know, we're going to do some work, whatever. And he said, he pinned me against the desk and he's trying to kiss me and stuff like that. And, and, he said, I said no, and I left, uh, or, you know, he, 
this, oh, let me tell you this. This guy was a preacher also, not the guy with the, the supervisor. And some type of preacher and really, really close friends with the warden. And I'm not going to say which one, but the, uh, the, he said anyway, he made advances at him, uh, several times and he always managed to escape and get away, but he's not stupid. He, he started keeping a log of it, the dates. And he went the first time and he went to one of the majors that ran the unit and said, Hey, look, such and such made a pass at me and, Major didn't do shit, and and he said I, I got it all logged down. And he said, um, that then he said it happened again. That tried and happened again, and he reported it again. He said, listen, I, I you know this dude's trying basically trying to rape me, trying to have sex with me. I'm afraid that I'm gonna lose my job if I don't do it, and all this, and I don't want it. And do something about it. They didn't do shit about it. Now I think that might have been because this person was like super tight best friends with the warden and and maybe they were they didn't want to you know get involved with it i don't know but every time the civilian guy which would make an advance at the cowboy and uh you know try to do the different things every single time he said he wrote it down and and kept the notes and more importantly as he wrote down who he told and what was done about it, which was fucking nothing. And so he said the, the first time the guy actually uh, rape, raped him, uh, um, he, he couldn't get away from him, and he, and he raped him orally. And, you know, he, he went out, and he went, and he, he wanted a meeting with one of the higher-ups and, and wrote a letter for it to whomever, and they brought him in, supposedly, supposedly, and this is his, his story, listened to his complaint, and then they dismissed it, and then they fucking put him back in the same place. And so this guy's like, you know what, fuck, I can't get anything done, maybe because of who this guy is that's attacking me. So, you know, I told you he kept the log, and what he was doing is he was sending it to his attorney, and the only inmate mail that is not open and read before it goes out and when it comes in is the mail that they send to their attorneys and they mark it big on their confidential for attorney and the correction officers can't open it. Right. And so he said that he would, he would, you know, keep on the list. And when the first oral rape happened and they didn't do anything, then he, he sent it to his attorney or, you know, sent the information to the attorney and should they put it back in there and it happened again. He said, it wasn't like it, wasn't like it happened every day, but when he could get a chance to hold him back, he would do it. And then he said it went to, uh, oral rape. And then he was trying to penetrate him, uh, anally and, couldn't finish or whatever. I don't know. Couldn't get an erection to, to penetrate him anally. But that happened again and he blew it up again and nothing happened. And he said, you know what? Fuck that. The now this was probably 93, maybe 92, 93. Now DNA had just really, uh, come out and been started to being used. And so it was in its infancy stages, but. This dude was no dummy. The guy boy knew about it. And, um, his attorney told him, said, look, if you can get some fucking, get DNA or get some of his pubic hairs or whatever, the next time get them and send them to me in the mail, they're not doing anything. Then, you know, we're going to have a hell of a, 
a lawsuit and a criminal prosecution against this guy and possibly some of the correctional officers for uh, uh, malfeasance for not doing their job. And I love the man to this. He said that every time that he would uh, force him to do it, that he would call him, he would act like the guy was a female and he would call him the warden's wife's name. Get that shit. And, and he told me what the name was like, holy shit. He's like, yep. And he, he's, and he's saying me all kinds of dirty talk to me. Come on, such and such. You know, you like this. You've been wanting it for so long. Da, da, da. So he's living out according to the, the inmate. This, this teacher was living out his fantasies of having sex with the warden's wife. Um, through the gal boy. And I guess, shit, I guess he thought he was going to get away with it. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of rapes that go on like that and inmates try to tell. And uh, for whatever reason, the CO doesn't want to get involved. I don't know. But this person, this guy, when he said it, he said it, it just happened again. Uh, like, I don't know, like a week before. And he said this time he, he raped me orally and he said he never could penetrate me um, from behind. He said he tried, but he never could get hard enough. He said, but the last time he raped me orally, he said when he came in my mouth, he said I kept the, uh, I, I had a tissue in my pocket. And, and he said, I like, acted like I was cleaning it up. And I spit it in my tissue and I wadded it up and I put it in my pocket. Well, what does he do then? He goes back to his dorm. He didn't even bother to report it this time, right? Because nothing's getting done. And he sealed that shit up and sent it to his lawyer in New Orleans. Now, he didn't have a podunk lawyer or a public defender. This fucker had some money. And, and I mean, he still owned the clubs and stuff through whatever, uh, I don't know, through corporations or whatever. I mean, say so he had like money, money and sent it to his lawyer. And the lawyer took it, you know, sent it to a lab and then the, ultimately ended up uh, coming in with restraining orders and protective orders, et cetera, and went to the DOC and just slammed them, right? And, and so they started an investigation on it. And, but then, then once the good correctional officers found out, they immediately moved him back there to where I was. And so he was in holding and he wasn't getting out. He had like 20 years uh, for all his charges. And so sent him back there to protective custody, but he, he couldn't stay there. They were going to ship him to another prison uh, just in case, right? And you, you don't want it to be a, an Epstein, whatever his name is, that pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, where, where he magically ends up hanging himself. But check this out. The, this was, they moved him before, uh, that was on a weekend, like on a Saturday or something like that. Um, and when the powers that be did the investigation and they went in and told the warden and all that, and they call in this teacher on, on that, that Monday, they call him in, they bring him in to, the what we call the headquarters building or the White House, and that they were going. I mean, the cops were there. The, the investigators were there. They were going to get him, and they, they brought him in for questioning. Now, still at this point, you know the stuff. The semen hasn't. I, I don't know what point of analyzing, analyzing it was, et cetera, or the pubic hairs, whatever the, this this guy had on him. So it's still kind of a he said, he said, but the 
what happened was they started asking the ones that he had on this list, the COs, hey, did he ever report this to you, did, et cetera. And I think one of them admitted to it, and the rest of them denied it. But it's still kind of a he said, he said. But they bring in, the, in this preacher guy who was the teacher, who was the warden's homie, uh, uh, bring him in, and they question him on it. And when he's getting ready to leave, he got all freaked out about it. And when he's getting ready to leave, guess what he does? He slips and falls on the steps of the administration building to and acts like, well, I don't know if I mean, he might have really been hurt, but from what I heard, he acted like he got hurt and was like, oh, don't touch me, don't touch me, call an ambulance, et cetera. And therefore, uh, the last I heard of it, he was on medical leave and as a civil service employee and while the investigation went on. So, and, and I, I must have left a short time after that because I don't, I don't know whatever happened to it. And we didn't have the internet back then, y'all. This is not something I can go look up. Um, but the, anyway, so it's crazy, right? And, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I was thinking about that one after the story last week, but the, um, so the mindset being different, you know, not homosexual and the ones that are homosexual and openly homosexuals call themselves the gal boy, but even they don't like to be raped or deserve to be raped. And I don't, you know, I'm assuming this, this guy's telling the truth, uh, uh, the, from, Everything that I heard through the grapevine afterwards, he was definitely telling the truth for what have you. So I don't know. But gal boy, um, just a whole, whole different world inside the prison. So, um, the, I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. This is a short one. I'm, I'm probably going to release, uh, strange shit towards the end of the month. How about that? So this is just be something to tide y'all over until then. Uh, a little bit of a different story uh, and a little bit of different insight, but it is still it was real life and it was a real crime. It doesn't matter who it is that's committed against. It was a real crime. And, you know, uh, patron members, it, the, I appreciate your support and I hope y'all like your videos that you get. I'll be doing this week's episode, I'm going to record the live video and I don't want, I don't want to say a certain date in case some shit happens, but it'll, we know it's going to be before Friday. I would do probably Wednesday, but I'll make the announcement. If you can tune in to watch the live video on the Patreon page, great. If you don't, then it'll still be there, y'all. When we get it posted that night, the video, the raw, unedited, just like I'm doing now, sitting here shooting shit, um, version, without before Toby gets it right. So that video will be there on Friday, just like the last month or so, a month and a half, you will get the audio version edited by Toby Tomplay of, of this week's episode that's coming up. And you also, that, that video is going to stay on the, on your patron page. So, you know, you can go back and watch it whenever, but on Friday, you get the commercial free edited version with the music and all that. And of course, everybody else gets it sometime late Saturday. But so I hope you enjoy that. Seems like a lot of people are using that and, and liking it. Look, if we owe you something, send us. You're not bothering us. Look, we, we send out so much stuff. 
and that that my wife and them do a really great job of it uh, on getting most of it out. But some stuff does fall through the cracks, unfortunately. But we don't know. I don't know, and we can't get it fixed if, if you don't uh, give me a heads up. Okay, so and we'll do that. Hey, and a couple of y'all have used your uh, phone calls with me now. That's awesome. And I think I have another one tomorrow. Uh, uh, tomorrow evening and love talking to y'all you know who you are and so if you you're on that level use it y'all i don't bite shit but we might shoot the shit with you for however long you want to and if there's any other ideas that you have um let me know if you, if you want if there's something else i mean i never give the discounts and the early episodes and the commercial free episodes and the videos of me doing it and then you get the bonus episode every month and so I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that y'all can think of, because I'm not a podcaster guy. If, if you're a patron to another podcast and they do something that's cool that we don't do, let me know. And we'll certainly add it if we can. And uh, that's it. I appreciate it. I hope everyone had a happy 4th of July and stayed safe. Y'all were growing leaps and bounds. Uh, if you want, you can follow us on Instagram. I'm posting something on there every day now. It's real, it's that at symbol, real life, real crime. And, or me personally, it's the at symbol, Overton Woody. And so I'm posting videos and some pretty cool stuff on there. We're making that grow. Uh, our Facebook groups, man, they're, you know, we got so many of them and they're, they're all awesome. And, um, uh, please continue to, to, you know, to, to like and share us and watch us grow. I mean, we're over 2 million downloads or listeners or listens now, and we're still growing. And it's because of y'all. And it certainly wouldn't be in the position I'm in today if it wasn't for y'all. So I apologize about this episode when I tell you that it's, it's so raw. I mean, you're not even getting the music on it right that because that's in the studio with Toby and I don't have access to it, but I don't want to make y'all wait any longer. So just throw you this little bone um, to show you my appreciation. And well, I'll do something else before the end of the month. Okay. So I love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Thank you so much. And Hey, let me talk to you real quick about uh, organ donation. I, I was a guest on a podcast last week, the, the gifted life and, um, it's Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. And this, 20, well, she's not 21 anymore. This mom called in and told her, told us about how, how her five month old baby got killed in a crash. Uh, uh, and they were able to use her organs to save four lives. And hell, I'm old, hard ass, right? I mean, I've seen all the death in the world and I almost cried during that podcast. So I'll let you know when it's going to be out. I'm going to get you a link to it. But, the, the gift of life, uh, be an organ donor, man, and lifers, if you can, it, it, the, I'm, I'm taking that on as my own personal, uh, mission, if you will, from now on, I will not do a real life, real crime, anything without asking people to sign up to be an organ donor. It's hugely important. The, Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. You can go to their page, and I don't have it. I'll get. I'll put it in the notes, and click on it, and go into criminal justice uh, students or, or organ donation, and and click 
fill it out and, and hit the uh, uh, under criminal justice students. And that's how we know how many were getting through the podcast. And we had got like 400 and something for them before COVID hit. And I got away from it. But I'm not getting away from it anymore, y'all. It's too important. I mean, you're not going to care about I'm sure Lopa doesn't um, probably like me saying this, but shit, you're not going to care. You're going to be dead if you can send your organs. I mean, there's very few people that can do it because they have to be harvested it, um, while you're still alive. And, and certain tissues, I think, can be up to 24 hours later. But shit, I mean, give a gift of life, man. Be a hero when you're dead and gone. I mean, they can still bury your body. They just won't have your organs in it, right? And so other people can go on and live through that gift. And and so get that heart on your license. We have the forms. uh, I'll make sure it's just easy peasy. Sign up. It takes a couple minutes, and then you give the gift of life, and that's important. Um, Courtney Coco's case, shit. COVID, y'all, is killing us, literally. And But I can tell you this, the case is moving. The, uh, I can't tell you what I know, but it is moving. But COVID has slammed it again. And so just keep praying. And the, the difference is, I'm telling you, something's going to be done. And, um, and you're hearing it first, patron. That the Miss Barbara Blunt's case, same thing. I'm getting more information, and now we're getting hit again. I'm afraid they're going to shut everything down totally like they did before, and I pray that's not the case. But uh, but specifically on Coco's, I mean, I, mean, I, know, I know exactly what, what the hindrance is because of COVID, but it is what it is. It's coming, so we're not ever going to give up on that. Uh, um, and I don't know. So... um, that's I guess that's it I love y'all appreciate you thank you for being patron members you just don't know what it means and um, and I'm gonna continue to try to bring you more and more stuff so I love and appreciate each and every one of you I'm sorry for this to be so raw and unedited you don't need to get the new music on it Uh, but it is what it is thank you for listening until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay.